I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Your spirituality is what you do with your longings. This is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. So recently at the Apprentice Gathering, I did an intensive workshop with my good friend Jeff Crosby. And the reason that we did a workshop together is because, um, well, I had written a book called The Good and Beautiful You. I've talked about that on this podcast. And Jeff had written a book called The Language of the Soul, Meeting God in the Longings of Our Hearts, which you've also heard about if you've listened to this podcast because Jeff was a guest and we talked about that book. But as I was thinking about the apprentice gathering and workshops, the idea occurred to me that it would be fun for Jeff and I to do a workshop together because our books were, are so similar. They cover a lot. They both have to do with the soul, the good and beautiful you. I write about these aspects of the, of the soul and their longings. And then Jeff literally writes about meeting God in the language, longings of our hearts, right? The language of the soul. So they combine so much and they complement each other. They have some differences. So I decided, well, let's, let's see if Jeff wants to. And he said yes, and we did it. And it was a blast. It was really good. We did two of them. They were three-hour workshops. We did them back-to-back on one day. And the feedback was very positive. So I was thinking, gosh, you know, the material there was so good, stuff that I really am, I stand behind. Like, it's really significant teachings and ideas. So I thought, well, I'm not going to do a three-hour workshop podcast. But if I could condense down the material down to just the really good stuff in just a few podcast episodes, that might be helpful. So in talking that over with the producer of the podcast, that's my son, Jacob, we thought, yeah, that might be a cool thing to do. So that's what I'm going to do in these next few episodes is to talk about the longings of our souls or the soul and its desires. So with that little backdrop, here we go. One of the basic premises is that we all have a soul, and that soul has many longings, things that it yearns for. But before I launch into those longings of our soul, I want to spend a few minutes talking about what your soul is, what it does, and then get to what it needs. So by way of just entering into this discussion, I want to start with two words, two big words that uh, we hear a lot, we use a lot, but we don't, don't always have really good definitions of. And those words are spirituality and soul. Again, words we hear quite a lot. We talk a lot about spirituality. And that's a fairly recent thing. It, it, if you just look at Christian history, even more recent history, we don't talk about spirituality. You don't find books on spirituality until about the last three to four decades. 
And then it just now today there's a lot of them. There's a whole section in in most bookstores that deal with it. But the word is popular. We we talk about spirituality. One of the phrases that I hear quite a lot is, especially when somebody finds out what I do, if I'm on a plane ride or something and someone wants to know, what do you do, Jim? And I explain what I do. Quite often what I'll hear is, well, um, yeah, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Hear that one quite a lot. Or they flip it like, well, I'm a, I'm a really spiritual person. I'm not very religious, but... And I, I think I know what they mean in one sense. What, what they're trying to tell me is, they probably don't go to church. They probably don't have any affiliation with a specific religion or religious practices, but they think of themselves as spiritual people, which means more often than not, I have some connection to something metaphysical, <laughs> something, a, a spiritual realm, or, you know, I do certain practices. Maybe it's yoga, meditation. So I do something that feels spiritual to me. And I, I know what they mean, but it's often very vague, maybe intentionally. But I think we need to have a good understanding of words like spiritual and soul, because if we don't have our definitions right, as Dallas Willard would say, we'll end up telling the wrong story. And in fact, I, you know, the academic discipline in which I teach is called Christian Spiritual Formation and Soul Care. So I had better know a thing or two about both of those words. So Let's start with spirituality. What is spirituality? Well, I really love a sentence by Ronald Rollheiser. Uh, he's a great writer. Uh, his book, Holy Longings, is fantastic. He's written a bunch of great books. And he was actually here at French University, spoke last year. But uh, Ronald Rollheiser says this, Spirituality is what we do with our longings. Spirituality is what we do with our longings. And Ronald Rollheiser will go on to say that we have these souls and they have many longings, and our spirituality is what we do with those longings. And he'll make some pretty bold statements in his book, Holy Longing. He'll say things like, your spirituality is more about how you sleep at night than whether or not you go to church. And I I know what he's getting at with statements like that. He's saying that it isn't just the religious practices per se. Those can and ought to be very helpful to us, but, but the fact that we have these longings and whether or not our, our longings are met is probably going to be revealed more in how we sleep than whether or not we go to church. So I, I, I get at what he's trying to say, but I love the definition so much because it, it's aware that we all have many longings, many desires, and that's a part of what it means to be a human person is to have these yearnings. We're creatures of desire. We do just about everything that we do because of desire. And that's not a bad thing. Now, our desires can be disordered, as St. Augustine said, but the fact is we are creatures of desires. We are creatures who long for things. So when Rollheiser says spirituality is what we do with those longings, I think there's a lot to work from with that definition. Okay, so that's what our spirituality then is what we do with that. We have these longings, and then the things that we do, the practices, the disciplines, the things that we do is going to order and shape those longings. So that's what spirituality is. But what's the soul? Well, here's what the soul is. So the, the Latin word for soul is anima, A-N-I-M-A. And what it essentially means is it's that which animates a person. That's where we get 
that word, animate, the root being anima. So we are animated, right? We have life. We have energy. The soul is that which flows life into all the areas of the human person. Your soul is energizing and giving life to your body right now. Your soul is organizing and integrating everything about you as a human person, your mind, your body, your will, your emotions, all of these things. So that we would say when a person is physically dead, we would say, well, the soul is, is ceasing to function within that person. That's, that's what happens uh, when a person dies. They're no longer animated, right? They don't have that energy flowing through them. So one of the things that the soul does it, it is that animating principle within the human person. So in, in the way we understand the human person, we talk about being not just a soul, but also a body. We are embodied people. In the, no, the Greek word is for soul is soukos, which is where we get the word psychology. So technically, if you meet someone who studies psychology, maybe they're a psychology major or they had a degree in psychology, you can wisely say to them, oh, you studied the soul. They may look at you funny, but that's really what soukos, psychos, P-S-Y-C-H-O-S, soukos means the soul. And yet we also know that we have bodies. Our bodies are completely integrated with our souls. That's a part of that animating principle. So we're embodied souls or ensouled bodies, and they work together. As Bessel van der Kolk said in his incredible book, The Body Keeps the Score, everything that's happening to you as a human person is registering within your bodies, and your soul is a part of that because the soul is not just the animating, but it is the organizing principle of who you are. And so in that sense, the soul, your soul, includes your body, it includes your mind, your capacity to think, it includes your will, your capacity to choose, it includes your feelings, your emotions, and it includes the social dimension of who you are. We are influenced and impacted by people. So think for a moment about a loved one who has passed in your life. Is that person with you? Well, not physically, but they are with you. They're in your soul. That's what the social dimension is of the human person. We are impacted deeply by the people in our lives. So this is what Dallas Willard is working with in Renovation of the Heart. If you want to dive deeply into those dimensions of the human person, the soul being the outer circle in Willard's diagram to say, the soul is bigger than all of these things, but it includes those things. So there is an important uh, need in our world and for each individual life to understand what your soul is because soul care is fundamental. Spiritual formation and soul care is fundamental to your well-being, to who you are as a person. Now, in pop culture, self has become king. So we'll talk about self-care. Self-care, you hear that quite a lot as well, which usually means I'm going to have a day to pamper myself. I need a self-care day. And that's fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And I'm sure the reason many people want to have a self-care spa day is because they're really missing something. But there's a difference between self-care and soul care because the idea of a self means I'm this sort of isolated individual 
I'm independent, I'm running independent, and so forth. Uh, it doesn't imply there's a spiritual dimension to you when someone talks about the self. But in our modern world, that is how we think of the human person as, an, as a self, which really was a driving force be, behind why I wanted to write The Good and Beautiful You. Because in that book, one of the major premises is that you're not just a self. You are an embodied soul. And there's a spiritual dimension to who you are. So that's a little bit about the nature of the soul and the human person, a little bit about the body and capacities. But here's what Dallas Willard says in Renovation of the Heart about the soul. He said, Our soul is like an inner stream of water, which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of our life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do. Classic Dallas Willard there, there's just a lot in one sentence. But he compares the soul to like an inner stream of water. You know, a stream of water flowing is going to to animate and give life to things. That's why just about every major city in the world was built by a body of water. A river, you know, even Wichita where I live, it's we call it the Arkansas River. Don't say Arkansas here. But why why do humans do that? Because you have to have a water source for life, and that that's humans are, are completely dependent on it. So when Dallas says our soul is like an inner stream of water, it's that animating principle that gives strength and direction and harmony. That's the integrative part of our life. And then he says when when that stream, when our soul is as it should be, we're constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do. That's the end goal. The end goal of our lives is to to have wellness of soul, to be able to say, it is well with my soul. And I believe the way you ultimately get to wellness of soul is found in Matthew 6.33, which I think is one of the most important verses in the Bible, if not the most important, where Jesus says, right in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his right ways, and all of these things, all the things you need, will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live with Jesus in the unshakable kingdom, and you'll have everything that you need when you live as his apprentice in kingdom living. That's when the soul is well. But our soul has all of these things that, it, that they're doing, right? The soul animates, as I've said, and it integrates. So to just to boil it all down thus far, Your soul is that which animates, gives life and energy, and it integrates. Your soul is the fire and the desire. It is the passion and the longing in your life. And it is also the organizing and operating principle within you. So it's doing those things. So that's just a basic understanding of the soul and our spirituality being that which we do with those longings. So Here's a really great quote. I I just read this recently in a new book I've been reading called Our Unforming by a woman named Cindy S. Lee. She writes this, Spirituality, the divine-human relationship, starts with an ache. Our souls ache each time we recognize that there's something missing in our experience of the sacred. The ache represents the human search for God. Well, that's a really good one there. 
The ache represents the human search for God. I believe that we are created with a series of longings, a number of things that we long for. Cindy Lee uses the word ache, which is the same thing. We have many, many, many longings, many aches, but what she's saying is they all represent that search for God. And wellness of soul is found when those longings are met in appropriate ways. And the key word there is appropriate. So let me say that again. Wellness of soul is found when those longings are met in appropriate ways. Appropriate ways. I say appropriate because you can try to meet those needs, those longings, through inappropriate ways. And that would be, that, that's typically sin, right? That's the ways in which you try to, to meet those longings in a way that is not the right way. Or your longings are disordered. You, or your, your desires for the wrong things are higher than the things that, that you ought to be hoping and longing for. Okay, so that's a long, long intro. Let's now start with some of those longings of the soul. There are 10 primary longings in our souls. And here they are. I'll just read them in order. Here are the 10 longings. To go home. To be wanted. To live an undivided life. To be loved without condition. To live without fear and anxiety. To be intimately connected to God. To be forgiven for what we've done. To find community. To feel called to a life of purpose. To live forever in the new heaven and new earth. Those are ten longings of the soul. And as I mentioned in that workshop, what Jeff and I did was we went and walked through each one of these longings and unpacked them and tried to uh, help people understand what they are, uh, why they're there, and what it is that we're searching for and how we find those needs ultimately met in Christ. So those are the 10 longings, and I want to start with the very first one and explain what that means. The first is the longing to go home. What is that about? Well, in his book, Jeff Crosby talks about a Portuguese word, saudade. I actually know this word because uh, I've been to Brazil a, a few times, and I learned about this word, and it's a very unique word, saudade. It, if you say this word to someone from Brazil, you're going to get a, a, a reaction from them. It's, it's a very strange thing as a person not from Brazil when you say it to them. And trust me, it's true. I've, I, I've met some Brazilians, and every time in America I've met them, and every time I do, when I, when I say, oh, do you know the word saudade? They're, the look on their face changes. So here, here's what saudade, a definition of what it means. It's a vague and constant desire for something that does not and possibly cannot exist, for something other than the present, a turning toward the past or toward the future, not an act of discontent or poignant sadness, but an indolent, dreaming wistfulness. Saudade. Saudade. It's the memory of something combined with a desire for it. So an example that I use, because uh, I asked this guy that he's one of the tennis pros where I play, 
And he's from Brazil. And so I said to him, hey, I, I, tell me about sadaji. Do you, do you know this word? Is it important? He's like, oh, yeah, very important word to me. And Felipe went on to, to explain that um, it's something that Brazilians experience not just once in a while, but quite often several times a day, which I thought was fascinating. And I said, can you give an example? And he immediately said, oh, yeah, here's one. He goes, just today, I was thinking about my dad and my dad who lives in Brazil. And I, I miss him. I haven't seen him. And I felt this, this longing. And, and it was saudade. And that, that's the word that came to my mind. When I thought about my dad, how much I miss him, I thought saudade. It's, a, it's an interesting thing because we, in, Amer- in America, in English, we really don't have an equivalent word. But in, in many ways, it is a longing for home. It's a longing, well, for a lot of things, but one of those longings is the longing to go home. You know, we, we're all built with this longing for our, our original home where we grew up. Now, I recognize that for some people, the home that they grew up in was dysfunctional and painful, but it does seem to be built into the human person that that place where we grew up, geographically, even very specifically, can be a home. There is a longing for that. Each time I go back to Denver, if I can, which most of the time I can, I'll make my way back to my hometown. And one of the things that I want to do is to go to the house where I grew up. And I grew up actually in two homes in, in Arvada, Colorado. That's, that's the actual town. And uh, when I first moved there, when I was four years old, we lived in a house. And then we strangely moved only like three blocks away a couple of years later. So the, the first home that I remember, and I was four, so that's kind of when you start remembering, um, you know, uh, things in life in general. But that first house, I mean, I have these deep memories. I remember Christmases. I remember just growing up there. I had an older brother and sister, my mom and dad, and just being in that space. And then the house that I, my, I would grow up in the rest of the way, all the way through college, that my folks lived in um, was just a few blocks away. So when I go back, I have this need to go back and just sit out front of the house. And I look at the house and the memories come back. And the last time I went, actually, what I did was I was able to walk around the block. I walked, in fact, there's a park where I grew up playing football and baseball. It was kind of like a sandlot place for all the kids in the, in the neighborhood. And I went and I walked that. And there's still a Dairy Queen that's right at the end of that field. And I, I walked around it and I had all these memories. I remember as a little kid, uh, when, like I could get a hot fudge sundae for a quarter. And I remember going and playing baseball with my buddies and then afterwards taking my quarter and going to Dairy Queen and getting a hot fudge sundae. That's, that's a deep inside of my soul. Like that's a, that's a longing. Now, I, I can't recreate that. Right? I, I can't go back and relive that. That's, that's in my past. But it's very much a part of me. And in some ways, I think that longing for home is the longing for our ultimate home, which is the last longing that I'll be talking about. But I imagine as you're listening to this, you're thinking about your own home, that longing to go home, something about that, that Kenny Loggins song, Celebrate Me Home, which I would often listen to, especially around Christmas time. 
a song that, that's talking about, you know, I want to go back to this place that I remember. I want to go back to these people who welcome me home because it feels safe. It feels secure. It's something that, a longing that I'm built with. And of course, as believers, you know, we, we would believe that ultimately that's a longing that we feel will be met in the new heaven and the new earth, which is the last one that we'll talk about. So I'm going to stop here on this one, and I'm going to pick up in the next episode on longings 2 through 10 and unpack those along the way. I hope you'll join me for this discovery of what your soul longs for and how they can be met ultimately in Christ. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, What's on your mind? Your answer will be things above.